0: Hey there, welcome to Broadcast to Post. I'm Jeff Sengfield, CTO at KeyCode Media. This is the show where we interview leaders and experts in the AV, broadcast, and post-production spaces. We're giving you the inside tips to grow your media workflows and business today. All right, welcome to Broadcast to Post. We're here with Steve McKenna from Studio Network Solutions, and we're going to have an interesting discussion about hybrid, on-prem, and cloud and where these are gonna make sense for your production team. So we're seeing some post businesses that are dying because they haven't been able to compete with other folks that have gone into a hybrid environment that allows folks to work remotely. The other thing we've also seen are folks who dove in a little too quickly and now are having to retrace their steps and kind of put things back together. So they get that bill and they discover, it should have gone a different way. So today we're gonna try to find the happy medium between cloud and on-prem, maybe it's hybrid, that is gonna be a workflow solution that's going to fit the demand of your editors and your company's budget. Let's dive right in. Steve, welcome to the studio. How are you doing? Doing great,
1: Jeff, how have you been?
0: I've been pretty good, thanks for asking. Um, Steve, you've been working in shared storage and workflow solutions for quite a while now. Um, SNS is obviously known as a leader in this field with the Evo shared storage solution, what makes this topic, cloud or on-prem, so interesting for you?
1: So Jeff, yeah, I think there's this dichotomy that's out there between all or nothing, right? It's either all cloud or it's all on-prem. Where is it both, you know, and that's driven by a lot of things. And I don't think there is one right answer. I think there are benefits to all cloud workflows and there's a lot of places where the cloud is incredibly helpful. Disaster recovery, certainly. You know, scalability, immediate scalability, Um, but then there's also challenges with an all or nothing approach. And I think that's true of most things in the world. So understanding where we're at with that is going to be the key. Understanding where it fits, where it doesn't, what can we do on-prem with things that we own? What should we be doing off-prem in a cloud to provide access to people? That's really the challenge. And that's one of the things that makes this such an interesting topic Is there's so many possibilities. There's infinite ways to configure this. It really depends on budget and end use case and where are we trying to get to and what's the best way to get there.
0: It's best to scope it up front.
1: <laughs>
0: we like that. Let's, let's get into the full cloud model first. When you're going 100% in the cloud, when does this work for a media team?
1: So that's always, you know, interesting as to where we can be 100%. Certainly if everyone's remote and there's no centralized office and there's nothing anywhere, uh, remote uh, cloud is going to have kind of that centralized in the internet on somebody else's server is going to have a lot of appeal. Uh, However, as you get to that, the idea of being fully remote is always tricky because what are we doing on production? (laughs) <laughs> you know, how did we get the footage in the first place? Uh, so virtualization is certainly beneficial when there is no device anywhere or you just have a, a low end device or you don't have the, the ability to get drives and everything everywhere. Uh, additionally, as we kind of go on you know, through that, it can also be nice for disaster recovery. You know, there's some immediate boxes it checks, but it's always kind of sold as a panacea. And that's where you really have to dig in.
0: Definitely. So, I'm I'm assuming one of those considerations you're going to have to look at is latency.
1: Absolutely. Latency and latency as well as time on the front end, right? I mean, what I can do with an on prem server uh, if I have to turn something around quickly, where I have a dedicated network that I can control and that I own and I can create high speed pipes to different servers and centralized points, I think it certainly has a lot of value and I can. I mean, you know as well as I do, Jeff, I can copy a lot more stuff over a 10 gig line than I can over a Wi-Fi. And even more now as Ethernet protocols accelerate to 100 gig, 25 gig and things like that. So, yeah, well, latency really, however, is a function of speed, right? It's a time over distance issue. Mm -hmm. And this is where video is so unique because video is the only file I know of. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well. That has to play in real time. It's not just an open or a close, and then I have access to my document. It's something that I, when I jump 40 seconds ahead on that timeline, the playhead better keep up with me, you know, as an editor.
0: It better, or you're going to have frustration. And the one thing creatives will deal with some frustration due to latency, but not too much. You can only go so far before life becomes unpleasant. And that's why a lot of people will put out different different guides. Hey, you must have under this milliseconds worth of latency to do this kind of work or multicam or, uh, you know, and and the fun thing is latency is also a size of how much data you're throwing down that pipe. So Mm -hmm. an H.264 is going to take up a lot less bandwidth and therefore have less latency than a full uncompressed raw 4K ProRes file flying at you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then when you're on the network as well, you know, as you can kind of consider the latency across, the, one of the dangers, I had a client at the beginning, certainly, of the pandemic, that was using what is effectively a cloud. And this kind of gets back into that, you know, as we talk about cloud, what does it mean? Because we talk about hybrid cloud. So what they used, uh, which I know you guys are familiar with here at KeyCode, was an RGS solution,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, so effectively, server was somewhere that I am not, and I'm accessing it over the wide area network. Now, in this case, they happen to own the endpoint. Uh, So not quite public cloud, but you could consider it private cloud because at its core, that's really all it means, right, is server somewhere else. Um, But what was challenging was they went in one day after doing their remote project to conform. And to the credit of the network, the latency was consistent, but the project was shifted four frames to the right. So four frames in the future. So if you had delivered, there would have been an interesting leader (laughs) before your commercial ran. Um, to air, and so that's where it can get tricky too. You know, where you don't see that necessarily.
0: The engineer in me is trying to figure out exactly how that happened, but I think that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, cost is also a consideration for all of this, and there's some pretty expensive cloud options that are out there. We've seen folks who've gotten the bill. But what do you know about affordable cloud solutions, Mr. McKenna?
1: (laughs) Well, affordable cloud and cost is always important. Uh, I know the SNS cloud that we just released was really designed with that in mind to provide a lot of flexibility. Uh, So what we've done is created a very common kind of workflow environment, Uh, you know, gotten that virtualized out. uh, We still provide our software there in unlimited fashion. So it's quite affordable when you consider it comes with asset management, automation, remote workflow, proxy generation, transcode, without a lot of the hidden fees. Because that's the biggest trick I think with cloud costs is they are quite opaque, uh, regardless of what you're doing. And the other thing we have is all these cloud services, right, and we should really start to differentiate between core cloud, you know, people who are actually running these data centers, companies that we all know um, and love, Amazon, Microsoft, you know, Google, Mm -hmm. kind of these very forward ones. And then other people who have built their own software and their own products on top of those clouds, which inherently then they have a cost that has to be passed to their consumer with a value added markup, of course, Uh, on that side. So being able to do things directly with a primary cloud provider versus using a secondary software built on top of the cloud and understanding who's doing what piece is very challenging. And that's where you get into a lot of hidden fees. Because if I do start to transcode in the cloud, Jeff, we like we think of storage, right? SNS has historically been storage. We've obviously grown into quite a workflow solution and broadcast. But as we think of these costs, what things we would take for granted are now a cost. I bought you a computer, Jeff. You have got a beautiful computer. Looks nice. It's got a wood panel on it. It's great. However, everything you do on that computer has no other cost. We are done. You've transacted, you own this piece of equipment. Now, when we come to the cloud, because we are renting a core and we're renting storage and we're renting all these other things, every interaction we have with some of these cloud softwares generates a cost. And so, while things look very inexpensive to get into, this much per user per month, this many terabytes, this many this, it's not all inclusive. And that's an important thing to understand. And that's, I think, where the SNS cloud offering is actually going to be quite unique. Because it is truly all-inclusive. It's not ingress, which is basically, guys, the cost of putting data into the cloud. And egress, the cost of taking data out of the cloud. Um, And then, of course, the cost of storing the data. This is Mm -hmm. a thing that you buy. This is a thing that you own, even in the as a service model. This is a thing that is one flat rate. Whatever you do on it, you do. So you effectively own your instance at that point.
0: But also you're owning those things that that instance would do if you still had it on-prem. One of the challenges a lot of people run into the cloud with is, oh, it can do all this cool stuff. You don't need to do all this cool stuff, but people look at it and go, I really want to do all this cool stuff. And all of a sudden you've got stuff translated into Portuguese and Mandarin and all this other stuff you're never going to use.
1: Right. Well, the other thing is sometimes you'll set something up as a test and forget it was turned on and that will not stop you from being billed. In that particular perspective, so you can kind of, you can go too far and not realize. You know, it's not. It is something that everything is going to have that cost. So you're absolutely right, and there are a lot of neat things the cloud can do, all of them with a cost.
0: Exactly. We can do anything you want, provided you're willing to pay for it. Um, So connectivity is the other piece there. Um, Cloud, you don't always have pure pure connectivity. We we're talking about. Um, one of the challenges one of our folks is having with their home internet, so mm-hmm. that that's going to be another consideration there.
1: Yeah, I mean, often, well, in any network, realistically, the lowest common denominator is always going to be the problem. You know, I can have the, the fastest server on the planet. Back before we tried to, we were doing all this remote stuff. If you only had one gig to your desktop, that was your that was your speed. Now we have the ISP, um, and we also have infinitely more variables is really what it comes down to. When I'm in a building and when I'm in a network that, you know, Keycode has set up for me, there is not a lot of variability. You guys have accounted for it. We've discussed switch connectivity. We've discussed uplinks. We've discussed cores and edges and every possible scenario that's going to happen, power backup, and it all sits within our control because you guys designed it. When we outsource that control to a data center, we've actually taken the con- the control and the variability out of our hands. And often we're putting it into some very competent companies hands, but they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Um, and there are you know cloud outages and different things that happen. And that's really the challenge too, having I think a good on-prem contingency for a cloud outage, because if a cloud data center goes down from a client perspective, who do they blame? Do they blame Amazon? Not- or do they blame the company who's in the cloud whose brand is tarnished you know on that side and these are relatively minor outages uh, you know amazon isn't gone for long if it is it's the, they've so much redundancy built in but yeah you do have to worry about speed and you also have to worry about owning the things that you build yes you know on that side because if you don't own it you can't control it
0: we've gone over the cloud so let's let's rain down to on prem uh, a lot of people talk about the move from on-prem to the cloud, but there's a lot of folks who are doing repatriation of data, uh, bringing cloud workflows back on-prem. What are your thoughts on why and what's the best way to repatriate?
1: Well, I was going to, you and I were just talking before we started. I mean, you guys had a client that went cloud early. Uh, Sounds like they went all cloud. Uh, is that accurate?
0: They did. Um, they went all cloud and... Um, whole proxy generated workflow relinking later Um, this was before cloud was a big thing Um, it was an interesting litmus test that came back negative for them so they wound up having to move forward with an on-prem solution to be able to meet their deadlines
1: absolutely and i think that's what's dangerous too right because the other process of repatriation we go back to some of those fees is that egress fee so finding something that either doesn't charge you an egress fee so that you have the flexibility to leave Um, or maintaining, even if you are going to start into a cloud world, maintaining that on-prem footprint so that if you want to turn it off, you still have the data. Uh, I think is really important, but I think repatriation is a relatively new term in the industry. Um, And it's a relatively new term that's getting some traction. And I think that does speak to that, the opacity of those costs and people not realizing kind of what they were getting into fully. You know yeah. sometimes we do things because they're technologically cool and not because they make solid business sense. And I think we're starting to see that uh, with a lot of things. some very large streaming services that went all cloud are now looking for ways as we've if they've had a more difficult year you know coming out of the gangbuster year mm-hmm. um, of the, of the uh, pandemic are looking to lower some of those costs. and that's always we're really getting at a high level to the age- old battle between capex and Opex. You know, and CapEx being something that, yes, it costs me more up front. Now, if you can afford to do it, I think, as we discussed, owning things generally in the long run is better. I think most of us either own or strive to own our own homes, Um, you know, things like that. However, in the short run and kind of back to where that 100 percent, you know, cloud makes sense, too, is when we're testing stuff. We don't know what the market's going to be. Now, when it scales, hopefully we get ahead quickly enough that we can start to buy things and own it and kind of go from there. So that's where we uh that's where I think that kind of starts to make sense. Now, the other place that on prem still is always <laughs> gonna have an advantage. We've already mentioned latency and control. But I mean, Jeff, cameras camera codecs and camera resolutions tend to outpace historically the speeds of networks. Yeah. I would I mean would you that. agree with that? I would agree with is that. Is that fair? Hey, look, we got one gig. Great. We also made 4K. Uh oh. Well, now we got to figure that out, and we've seen that. You know, we've seen that through the network, the evolution of networking. Years ago, uh, for SNS, ninety some odd percent plus of our systems had to go out fiber channel. Fiber channel was the only protocol fast enough to deal with streaming video. Then Ethernet, Ethernet had a wider adoption. It was great. We got to ten gig. We got twenty five gig. We get heck. There's four hundred gig Ethernet out there on the board now. Um, But as we do that, we've got 4K, 8K, 16K. And as you know, with color depth and space, it's not a linear scale. When we go from 4K to 8K, it's not twice as big a file. It's logarithmically larger. Um, So we have to hope if we go all cloud that the infrastructure of the United States, presuming there is no latency and we solve physics as well, um, we have to hope that the infrastructure of the internet can keep pace with the ability to create a larger sensor. So high demand workflows, color grades, things like that, I think are always going to make sense to have things on-prem because by the time you, and to be fair, I mean, we can, and to your point, we've discussed this before, mm-hmm. we can eliminate latency by virtualizing the workstation and putting the data in the cloud on a server that's also next to the workstation to limit latency. We're still bound by our internet connection from a monitor perspective, from a playing in real time would... Calibration for color is a bit challenging, but I'm sure that could be solved. However, now we're back to our cost problem. I mean, virtualizing, think of what a high-end color grading machine costs. Now think of what renting it every month costs. I mean, if we consider that, I don't think you ever get ahead.
0: You can get ahead if you need it for a week or two. If you need it for for an ongoing 24-7 kind of operation, which actually means thirty. But we won't say that out loud. Um, it's going to be less sensible in terms of the cost. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with one of our, our broadcast team, and you know, he said, "Well, we, we can we can do coloring in the cloud." And I said, "You don't want to do coloring in the cloud." He came back with the article that said, "Here are all the int- here's all the information about doing color in the cloud." And I said, "I, I never said it. we couldn't. I didn't say we should." Yeah. Um, because not o- even if you're only using it for a short burst. If you've got your OCM data up there, that is an extremely large amount of storage. Uh, especially if you've got people doing resizes, um, mm-hmm. like like some folks high end will do. Around it, um, you need larger than 4K image sizes, and that becomes that becomes expressly concerned in, in a cost in someone's line item on a budget somewhere, and then questions get asked and. People are
1: accused, and then T-shirts are distributed,
0: and the movie's over.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you've worked in large-scale post facilities as well, as color facilities. We all know what client day is like. When the client is coming in to screen something for finishing, it better work, and it better not be down for any reason, no matter what. And if we outsource that, and we outsource that control, we're outsourcing that client experience. And at the end of the day, that's really what we're all providing here. Uh, So being able to do that and, again, to control your network and get rid of that variability, you don't want a senior executive of a film studio waiting because your cloud instance is down.
0: Yes. They get a little temperamental when that happens.
1: Well, they spend a lot of money. They have every right to be.
0: They do. So in the middle of that, there's hybrid. So hybrid can give you the best of both worlds. You've got your on-prem server keeping latency issues down, cost for some of the higher end workflows down. And then you got cloud for remote access to all your media and tools you do need to work at home or on location, or maybe even offline. You copied it to a local Mm -hmm. kind of setup. Um, What are some of the best hybrid cloud workflows you've seen out in the field?
1: Well, certainly uh, the best one I've seen, I think, is the SNS Nomad solution. Uh, So with that, again, leveraging a very traditional workflow. Leveraging that offline, online, but then getting the internet out of the way. Um, So where that's appropriate. And I think a lot of the response of the pandemic has done well for remote workflows. Whether that be, you know, KeyCode helping you guys set up. I mean, some of the stuff you guys did, even lending out server space for remote, you know, and doing things like remote desktop. uh, Here, I think were fantastic. And they provided a lot of solutions for some very large productions. So the remote workflows are there. And they're there at a cost affordable thing. I think what's really important there is people asking themselves, why are we going to the cloud? What is our purpose of being? And if you're a geologic survey, uh, you're ExxonMobil and you're exploring for oil and you need to run millions and billions and trillions of data points, or you're NOAA, you know, doing atmospheric modeling, that's great. But if we have big data just because it's visual data and we're cutting it linearly, that might not be the best reason. Um, to go and to really understand that going forward and discuss it with management, because right now we do have kind of our the buzzword aspect of it. And so understanding that cost and using it where it's appropriate. You know, I don't know that heavy transcode in the cloud is that appropriate because the size of files we have to work with are and upload are huge. So I'm taking a relatively slow upload speed. Now if I can take that to an on-prem device they can transcode for the remote workflow, get that ready, and then trickle to the cloud as we have time. That's great. But I think, Jeff, you've also worked with feature films. Do you want to upload Ari ra to the cloud for dailies?
0: I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for the bandwidth. Do you have the time? I, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean. Can we get it done overnight before the next load of dailies comes in? Exactly. And the answer is, don't know. Um, you know if Depends been where end, you are. A remote
1: yeah. shoot, you know.
0: Yeah, middle of a swamp in Louisiana, probably not. In a data center in L.A.? Yeah, we could probably, probably make that work.
1: And then we get to discuss the cost of having the direct line to the data center, you know?
0: Yeah. So that, that makes it a lot of fun. So um, in that, there's some changes that are coming out with Nomad on, on the next version, right? Version 7? Yeah.
1: We're really excited to announce that. So we've really made it a lot more intuitive. Uh, so rather than we've redesigned the entire UI... Uh, We've created the ability to now prioritize multiple types of proxy, right? Because sometimes we want fast, and fast means, from a network transfer perspective, fast means small, right? Uh, The less data we have to download, given a constant speed, the quicker we can do it. Small, however, to an editor means compressed, Um, and that may not be ideal for certain applications. So we've added the ability to do Apple-certified ProRes as well as an edit-ready proxy. A little larger codec it's going to take a little lar- longer to download, but a heck of a lot easier to decode on your workstation. I don't think any of us have any qualms about saying that ProRes is an incredibly well-optimized codec for Post. Uh, and It's
0: designed luck. for Post. So It is, sense.
1: and it's designed to run on a Mac, exactly. So we've given you a lot of flexibility there, but more exciting, we've also solved, I think, the... Remote change problem, right? Because we have to talk about workflows, especially collaborative workflows, being bi directional. We don't get to, it's not just ingest at the office, download, which is kind of where it started with Nomad, because it was the first thing that people needed to do. They Mm -hmm. were leaving the office, the footage was already there. But then as they stayed out of the office, they ingested new content from home, drives got sent. And with that, we released Nomad Delta. And that's something where if you are working in Premiere, you have the ability to ingest new content at home and have Nomad automatically upload the new content, update the project file back on the server with no manual intervention required. So we can kind of keep things in sync. And along with that, speaking of speed, comes the SNS VPN. So when we add the VPN service, the SNS branded VPN service, not only do we wind up with more security, because it becomes a point-to-point network. We're not inherently running through a switch that's providing access to an entire network. But we've added an accelerator to that, and we've done it over a standard protocol. So we don't have to worry about UDP, and we don't have to worry about all these different concentrators and translators and where is it landing and when is it landing and all of that. To an IT professional, it's a native protocol on their network that's addressable. It's just faster. Um, and it
0: bypasses an existing firewall's need to do all of that VPN crunching itself.
1: Correct. And it actually is because the cloud because the cloud is used to host the VPN server, we're also not using on-prem hardware. So it's a little easier. Um, not all IT VPNs use all of the hardware potential to provide the speed for that connection. So this is something that's a little more purpose-built. Um, and again, can be from anywhere.
0: Awesome. So uh, thanks, Steve. We, we ourselves do a lot of hybrid cloud installs. Um, you know, There's a lot of variability in production workflow. There's never a one-size-fits-all solution. So the answer to cloud or not to cloud sounds like the answer is cloud at the amount that works for your workflow.
1: I think the answer, yeah, is also to not embark unless you have this a strong technical expertise to do it all alone. And I don't think it's something to outsource entirely to one department or another. I think it's something to really bring in an integrator and manufacturers that understand these workflows and where they're at. So whether that's KeyCode Media or SNS or when we work in conjunction, that's what's most important. Because you can get you can get yourself into some trouble. Um, you can get yourself out of some trouble. Um, better to go in with wide op- eyes wide open and not just kind of buy into the, the trend you know where it's let's do it all now
0: it's good to avoid the sand traps in the first place instead of having to be pulled out of them afterwards we can do both but let's let's save time and money up front and keep you out of them in the first place Thanks, steve thanks for so much for being with us today and sharing your thoughts on on-prem off-prem hybrid cloud workflows all the fun stuff until the next time i'm jeff Sangpil, cto keycode media
1: thanks for having me jeff
0: thanks for watching broadcast to post please make sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive future episodes follow keycode media on linkedin twitter facebook or instagram to receive news on additional AV, broadcast and post-production technology content see you next time folks